Dear listener, I'm Dean Ardenfell, and this is The Corporation, the podcast where I interview employees of the many subsidiaries of my favorite multinational conglomerate, Hogswood Cooper Media. This episode's another great one. First, I spoke to a director of Christian films. It's an incredible story of a man who was truly lost in life and salvation came riding up on an all-terrain vehicle. Then I spoke with a woman who basically does espionage work by being a professional-level office gossip. Before we get to the episode, just a kind reminder that we love a five-star review here at the Corporation, so please drop us one of those when you have a minute. I'd love to read your review right on this very podcast. Okay, let's get into it, shall we? I hope you enjoy this brand new episode of The Corporation. My first guest is a director of narrative fiction films that explore and celebrate traditional family values. He has an exclusive contract with Glory to the Family Pictures, for whom he has directed many classics, including Charles the Widower, Pit Stop for God, and When Men Were Men. In his spare time, he attends birding conventions. Please welcome Cosmo Lindbergh. Hello, Cosmo. Hey, man. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Wow, how exciting. This is like almost like having Hollywood in the building here. Wow, so exciting. Oh, no, you're flattering me, man. Well, you know, you work for this, uh, this one film company, Glory to the Family Pictures. That's yeah, the sort been, of exclusive. Yeah, they've been real good to me. Like kind of like a kind of like the family that I never had. Is that so? Yeah. You don't have a real family? No, man. No. <laughs> no, I was kind of a beach bum for a long time. Uh, just out in the out on the beaches of California, you know, surfing wow. sometimes and cool. uh, sleeping on the beach and then uh, well, uh, this group of people just uh just uh, rode up in a little uh, dune buggy to me, and I was like, hey, man, don't do that. Uh, keep these beaches pristine. But then they won me over, man. They had a real good pitch, and uh, I told them I always wanted to be a film director, and they said, we can make that happen for you. Wow. So your your chance to be a film director just literally came like almost like out of the blue. Yeah, it was like God delivered it to me. Wow. I mean, that's that's a God thing when you can when you can point to one moment in time where strangers rode up to you on a beach on a beach no less that's the the whole cliche right of the the, the god was carrying you the whole yeah, time that's right the footprints man and all that right i even said that i looked back uh and was like hey my footprints are leading up to that spot man uh but <laughs> yeah. only the wheels of a dune buggy are driving away and they said, yeah, that was the spot at which we carried you. Picked you up, right. Yeah. Picked you up in the dune buggy. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, wh- so you work for this one Glory to the Family Pictures, and they make a lot of movies. Um, a lot of them have the same lead. He's a 65-year-old man, Charles Dalton Smith. He's got no previous acting training, but he's in almost all your movies. Oh, Charles is the best, yeah. man. Uh, it's a cool dynamic, because I tell him to do something, and I tell him the words to say, and then he does it, yeah. um, and he doesn't ask any questions. He just really like it's. All, you know how a shark's eyes will turn white, uh, like when they 
when they bite down oh, on really? a person, I've got experience with this. I got a buddy who was eaten by a shark, and the mm. shark's eyes turned white or possibly black. They switched. They switched from one to the other, wow. and it's like that. Uh, it's like that with my lead actor. Uh, when I tell him, here's your character and here's your lines, uh, it's like something takes over him, oh, like an angel, he says. He says an angel enters him, and then he wow. acts the heck out of that role. Wow, an angel enters him, and his eyes go white or black just like a shark. Well, it's metaphorical, man. Oh, but I see. Yeah, his it's, eyes I don't literally go it. black. I, a chill goes down my spine every time. Wow, yeah, that's the magic of... of uh, it's the magic of filmmaking, man. Wow, incredible. And so it seems like one of the main things you like about working with him is he takes direction really well. Yeah, he does. Oh, he takes it way further than I normally would. Oh, yeah? I did When Men Were Men. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's a traditional family values kind of a movie. Sure. Uh, come to think of it, a lot of the movies that I direct are... You're just thinking of this? Yeah. <laughs> there's a pattern, I would say. Yeah, yeah. sure, yeah. Uh, Glory to the Family Pictures. They definitely got a theme. I think they do, yeah. And, I mean, you know, When Men Were Men being... You know, really about like a man who's sort of losing his masculinity because his right. wife is talking to him all the time, telling yeah. him to do things, and he has to assert his masculinity and dominance over the family. Correct. It's that narrative arc of like uh, a man really insecure about his own uh, masculinity, just you know, becoming a man by the end again, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I told him, hey, look, this is your son, man. This is like. This is your 10-year-old son, and you're going to have to make him feel bad for breaking that plate. He broke a plate by pushing it off of a table accidentally. It was an accident, but you got to make him feel bad. Mm. Well, he did. He got in that kid's face, and his, his own face went red, and he yelled things that I don't think a God-fearing man should say. Wow. And then that kid ran off, and I don't... I don't think we ever saw him again. Okay. That explains, I, I have seen this movie and there is like a pretty famous part in the middle where for what seems to be absolutely no reason, the 10 year old is clearly recast by another actor. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. They, that no one ever mentions it. No, yeah. no. So you, you lost that 10 year old because your, your lead actor had screamed at yep. him so hard. I think so. Yeah. yeah. It happened at the same time. Wow. It, sound, it sounds to me like maybe he was uh, possessed by something more nefarious. He says, a na he says angel. Uh, he says angel. <laughs> and I have no reason to doubt him because sure. I'm not an expert in these things, man. I'm yeah. still learning. The, uh, I, I don't think anyone can be an expert in religion or, or, or masculinity. You're, it's a lifetime journey, man. It's a lifetime journey. Yeah. We're all trying to learn more about masculinity and yeah. religion, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> um, do you get... My you actors teach me. Oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, I thought there was an end to that thought. No, that was the whole <laughs> thought, man. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, so, you, so, I mean, these are very message-heavy movies, I would say. Yeah. Do you, do you ever get, like, blowback for being, like, too preachy or what have you? You know what? Uh, Glory to the Family shields me from that. They say, do don't they? go on social media. Don't 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 read reviews yeah uh, look within your heart and, and have a conversation with God mm. about if you're doing a good job or not and so that's what I do mm. uh, after I'm completed with a film I ask God for a review uh, I, I, I pray at, uh, next to my bed at night and I say God uh, you saw the rough cut what do you think you ask God for yeah. a review on every one of your films that's correct and what does he usually say? Five stars, man. 
God is on my side in this. How do you feel that the message of the five stars is relayed to you through God? Well, it's a clear picture in my mind. Mm. I usually pray with my eyes closed because otherwise I get distracted. I get distracted easily, man. Do you think that's why most people pray with their eyes closed? Because they get distracted? I think so, yeah. Yeah. It helps you focus. Gotcha, gotcha. So I was praying... And I asked him, uh, what did you think of when men were men? You, you, you saw it. You saw it all edited together. It's out in the world now. We distributed it on YouTube Red. Sure. And God said, and this is a picture that came real clear to me in my mind. He said, I wish that you were the only director in the world. Wow. Wow, that's got to feel good, huh? It did feel good, man. God's favorite director. I thought it was Mel Gibson. You know, uh, the, that actually brings up an interesting point because, you know, your your films, uh, they do tend to have like lower budgets, I will say. A lot of them made in your own house, I think, right? That's correct. Uh, yeah, they supplied me with a house. I did not have a house before. Oh, Wow. Uh, they so you got a random group of strangers coming up yep. to you on a dune buggy saying, do you want to be mu- a movie director? And yeah. you got a movie studio giving you a house t- w- with which to live and work. Correct. Did the people in the dune buggy, were, did they have any connection to the studio? How, why, did they, why did they ride up to you and ask you if you wanted to be a film director? I'm pretty sure they were the studio, man. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah, I yeah. think that there are four people who are the studio, and they do yeah. all the recruitment, and they cast the actors. Recruitment? I feel recruited. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, clearly like it's like uh, they're evangelizing for the movie studio, I guess, right? That's a good word for it. I never thought of that before, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they are evangelizing. I should tell them to put that in the next movie. Sure, sure. I mean, you, you get no, no shortage of great ideas. Um, I mean, Pit Stop for God was one of my favorites because it's about a race car driver. Uh, that's a that's an exciting one. That is an exciting Probably one. Probably your highest budget one. It was a high budget one, but I feel like we could have had a higher budget, and then we oh, could yeah. have hired a stunt person. Okay, yeah. Charles did do all his own stunts, and he it, is he sixty-five did. years old. So yeah, and it, he was injured pretty badly. Was he? Yeah. I mean, that was a real car crash. We didn't have the budget wow. for computer fakery. Was it planned at least or no? No, we told Charles drive around <laughs> this racetrack at top speed. We're not going to train you because I think that this is going to be more authentic if you do not train. Drive as fast as you can, and what happens, happens. You're in the Lord's hands now. And he said, that's the way I like it. Wow, wow. I mean, people make such a stink out of Tom Cruise. and he, But he's, that man spends a whole year training for whatever stunt he's doing, and Charles did it without even planning for it. That's correct. Yeah, Charles Charles is hardcore, man. Wow, that is that is hardcore for the Lord. Um, you you do have word out to Kirk Cameron to try to be in one of your movies, uh, but but you're having a hard time getting him. Is he that right? He keeps ghosting me, man. That's too bad because he would be. He would definitely put. put oh, you I on know. The map, right? I know he's on our side and everything. Uh, but he's got a lot of projects, I guess. Yeah. He had a head start on this compared to little old me. Right. Right. He's been making these kinds of movies for a while now, huh? Yeah, but I, I haven't given up hope. I yeah. I text him every day. Do you? Yeah, I say, Kirk, I just had a bagel. Oh. You want to be in my movie? Okay, so you start with something like casual, small it's talk. It's got to be relatable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does he I have a toaster in my home that was gifted to me by Gloria Family Pictures. I, I told oh. them, I don't have a lot of appliances in this home you set me up with. And the next morning, I had a toaster sitting on my counter. No kidding. I don't know how they got in. <laughs> well, they gave you the house, so presumably they, they had They probably keys. have their own copy of the key. Yeah, yeah. 
absolutely. I never put that together until now. They told me it was divine intervention, and I believe them. Is it possible that this home is not a true home? Is it possible that this is a, a set or a model home that has been built to make movies in, and they didn't intend for you to live in it? That would explain a lot, man. Yeah? That would explain why my water doesn't work. Okay, yeah. And like how thick are the walls and the doors and stuff? They're pretty thin. I knocked one down the other day. <laughs> and there, were, there was a family on the other side. They were going to the beach. Why were they outside your home getting ready to go to the I beach? I think they were just passing by. I see. Okay. They were in mid-stride. And you saw, I know, what it, I know what it's like to be a person on their way to the beach. Do you? No, that's what you said. Oh, I do as yeah. well. No. We all know what it's like to go to the beach, man. I don't, actually. I burn very easily. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. That sounds terrible, man. Uh, it's, it's something I'm... If you, you know. burn very easily, you should avoid hell. Yeah, that's been suggested to me. Yeah. I don't know that... Uh, I don't know that your complexion on Earth and your earthly form has anything to do with, like, yeah. I don't either. hell is, but... I don't either. I'm, I'm learning all the time, but I'll tell you... Yeah. I would prefer to be a tan person in hell than a pale person in hell. Okay. All right. That makes sense in, this, in some way, I guess. Uh, I want to ask you, before we move on to our second guest here, I want to ask you about your hobby. Uh, it says here that you go to birding conventions. Oh, I do. Yeah. yeah. Birds right. are fascinating, man. Yeah, yeah. So do you... These are conventions for people who watch birds. Correct. Do you watch birds? I do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, when a bird passes by, it reminds me uh, that I am only a person. Uh-huh. And this is a bird. Uh, and we are very different, uh-huh. uh, but we are both interesting in our own ways. And I like to talk to that bird, and I like to say, Bird, I appreciate you for what you are, man. I'm a film director. Okay, so you have a real dialogue with these animals then. Yeah, they yeah. they speak back to me in their own way. Sure. Sometimes I have to close my eyes to hear it. Yeah, like like with God. Like with God. People say that, that God can be seen in Mother Nature. Is there a connection there, do you think? Or? I think so. Uh, when I was young, uh, I had an uncle uh, who would take me out uh, to the forest and to look at birds. And... Uh, he died tragically when I was still very young, ah. uh, and he was my guardian. So I see. Uh, that's why I, I did not have a home after that, and and went to the beaches. I see. Did and then he pass a, away while he while you guys were watching birds? Uh, yeah, he fell in a river, man. Okay, so you were alone in the woods then. We were crossing a log, and he fell in a river, and I was on the log, and I watched him get washed away. Wow. Maybe not the happiest day of my life. No, no. And were you able to find your way home after that, or not? No. No. So no, I wasn't. I found my way to a beach first, and then I kind of stayed there. Okay. Okay, so you got out of the woods at least. I did. Then you ended up on the beach, and then yeah. cut, smash cut, I guess. Smash to, cut is a do, film do term. That. <laughs> that's why I used it. You're a smart man. No, that's never been suggested. Um, I'd take it back. <laughs> um, well, folks, my second guest today has a license to kill the competition. We'll find out what that means, but first let's pause and hear a quick word from our sponsor. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Cosmo Lindbergh. I used to live on a beach, man, and a dune buggy came and rescued me from that situation. And my life changed that day, and I want to pass that on. I want to pay it forward and change other people's lives. Think of me as a dune buggy that's rescuing you from your current situation with my messages of peace and God and family. 
I want to tell you about our new movie. It's called We Have to Save Christmas. Uh, it's a cool family values kind of film. It's going to be action-packed adventure. We're funding it on GoFundMe, so go there and donate whatever you can. And if we reach our first stretch goal, we're going to buy a real bazooka. And that's going to be featured in the film. Sometimes when I see a bird, man, I see my uncle in there. I see him looking through that bird's eyes. And I ask him questions like, why did you leave me? And why did we only ever eat mac and cheese? What was your real name? But usually that bird doesn't tell me much. And then it flaps away, and I think maybe that one wasn't my uncle, but maybe the next one will be. I hope you're having a good day, listener man. Uh, this is Cosmo Lindbergh for Glory to the Family Pictures. And we're back. I'd like to remind you at this point, as I do every show, that I, Dean Ardenfell, am not and have never been an employee of Hogswood Cooper Media or any of its subsidiaries. We've been talking to Cosmo Lindbergh, director for Glory to the Family Pictures, and now I'd like to bring my second guest in, who works for a totally different subsidiary of Hogswood Cooper. She is the lead data acquisition specialist at Backstairs Limited, a private contractor that provides dozens of Fortune 500 companies with its special covert services. Backstairs has been called the world's leading corporate espionage firm and has been vilified for stealing and selling secrets, sabotaging businesses, and more. All part of the game, of course, and my guest is one of their top agents. On weekends, she tends to her live goldfish collection. Please welcome Casey Mumford. Hi, Casey. Hi there, sweetie. You you did mess up my title a little bit off the top. Oh, no. It's, it's okay. It happens all the time. I'm actually a data ASS. We're data. big into acronyms here. Oh. So I'm a data acquisition senior specialist. Senior specialist. Yeah, I missed recent the Recent title change. It's okay, hon. Okay. I understand. All right. Well, I'll, I'll call you nothing but ASS from now on. Thank you so much. So uh, people like to complain about this, but you can get away with this. Like this is not, uh, this is a thing that's done, right? Your company oh, yeah. has monetized it, but like you, you get in however you can with the competition and mm-hmm. you, people hire you to go in and either get hired or just walk straight in and pretend you work there mm-hmm. and then you're gathering corporate secrets and or sabotaging them. How, how does that work? Well, Dean, what's so important to understand about me and my fellow um, ASS agents mm. is that we're very nosy. We were nosy children. We weren't liked in school, right? Okay, it, yeah. was, it was always... Casey, stop eavesdropping. This is a private conversation. Oh, I see. Yeah. Casey, it's not your business if your mother and I are getting a divorce, you know. And that, Uh. I took that feeling of, of always wanting to know what was going on. I turned it into a very profitable career. So all, Uh. think of your nosiest friend, right, Mm -hmm. who always needs to know what's going on in your life and your marriage and your finances. And that person would be an incredible data ASS. Wow, really? Yeah. The the great part is that, uh, you know, in this country anyway, you know, there are penalties, of course, for, you know, industrial espionage, commercial espionage, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But, you know, Hogswood Cooper, be, you know, backing your firm, of course, they can handle whatever fees or, you know, p- fines might be associated with getting uh, a slap on the wrist in trouble, right? Oh, for for sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, these fines are, you know, jump change for, yes. for Hogswood Cooper Media. But right. the way I approach my work, my truly my sacred calling is um, to just be the nicest, nosiest person in the office. You know, if someone starts whispering, my head just shoots out of my little cubicle and, you know, I got to know what's going on. Yeah. Um, and that it's a real it's a skill. People really don't appreciate that it's a skill to always be in the right place at the right time. I spend a lot of time in break rooms. Sure. Some some would say too much time. But uh-huh. the great thing about my work at Backstairs as a data ASS is that 
in order for me to pretend to do a job, yeah. I have I have interns who do the work that I should be doing in order to Smart. be employed, so yeah. that I can do the work of snooping around. Smart. You know, so they're like, "Why does that lady never seem to be doing any it's work?" It's my, my interns do it's it. The interns know? do it, and what they don't know is you're undercover. Oh yes, under the sort of undercover persona of someone who's just a nosy mm-hmm. office mate. Yes, exactly. Well, so smart, so smart. Thank you. Um, you're probably popping from company to company. You might spend an hour or two here or there coming, oh, I'm sorry I'm late. And mm. you're changing your wig and going to a different company. And maybe at one company, you're the nosy one. And the other one, you're the, the sexy one. Or Oh, I'm never that. No? No, no. You're never That's, assigned to be that. You know that. what? Um, never one do, of a, the honey, nice never do about, a honeypot. <laughs> one of the nice things about my position now um, as an ASS, so an acquisition senior specialist, is that, yeah. I can leave, <laughs> I can leave that work to the, the junior the juniors, you know, I've, I've graduated past that, you know, yeah. my, it's a bit more of an art form and less of kind of that, that hussy business that I sometimes see. people associate with my sacred work. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And, uh, I mean, you know, people like to think espionage is all sexy, but of course, corporate, uh, corporate espionage is a lot of hacking into people's computers and reading their emails and stuff. That is the work of my interns. It is. See, I, I understand that computers are a big part of the work that I do, but yeah. it's, boy, it's a lot of hassle, isn't it? You yeah, know? Yeah. So let's say I'm an employee at company A mm. and I say, I'm going to come in for the morning, but then I'm going to go work from home the rest of the day. Sure. I right. come in for an hour. I eavesdrop on some critical conversations. You know, I linger too long in the break room. I eat my muffin. I hang out in the elevator. I spend a lot of time going up and down in elevators, you know, just trying to overhear what sure, I can overhear. Yeah. And then I leave. I go put on a different wig. I change my lipstick. I go to a different company and then like, I'm just here. I'm going to hear over take some lunch meetings and then I'm going to go home work yeah. from home. So I can really get a lot of good, honest work done in one day. Yeah, And it sounds like your kind of specialty is the human Intel. Mm. Whereas like when you need a computer hacked, uh, if you've got a couple of interns who work for the company who think that you're their boss, all you got to do is say, bring me that on a flash drive. Right. Oh, yes. And that, then you don't have to become a, a computer hacker. You're good with people yes. and you're good playing characters, almost like a theatrical role. That's, Dean, you've hit the nail on the head there. Wow. It is, it's, it's incredibly theatrical. And the great thing about, um, not just, um, well, Backstairs makes great use of interns of that wonderful source of free labor. Many companies are getting on board with that trend. Mm. And young people will believe anything you tell them and are so scared of you yeah. that you could really ask for, you know, their kidneys and yeah. they, they would fret for 30 minutes about how they would, you know, get the time off work to recover, but they will eventually give you their kidneys. So that wow. has been an incredibly valuable asset is just the fear of these young people who are right. doing incredible free labor for these companies. You yeah. know, that's been... Or, uh, yeah, actually against those companies without even knowing it, right? Yes. Well, you know, we, the, the children need to stay innocent. In a perfect world, you know, I get in and I get out, they never think about me again until, sure. you know, they've been caught with their pants down by right, the right. national media. But it, I never want those, those dear children to feel bad, you know, because they yeah. were doing, they were listening to their boss. Right. And that's the most important thing you can learn to do as you're right. training to be an employee is to listen to your boss and never doubt what they're telling you right. and always do exactly as you're told as soon as possible. Right. I think one of the most famously defensible arguments is I was only following orders. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yes. Yeah. That's actually, um, we have that, we cross-stitched up in the walls oh, yeah. of the backstairs office, yes. I was only following orders, the cross-stitch. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. 
maybe you can tell me if this is true or not. I've also read that a lot of times if uh, the company finds out, for instance, that your company has been spying on them, trying to gather intel for the competitors, they don't want to make a big fuss about it mm. because then they look weak to their stockholders because Precisely. they look like an easy mark, right? Precisely. Fear is such an important part of my work. Fear and other people's cowardice. It really okay. lets me sure. get so much done. Um, you're precisely right about about shareholders. A company never wants to, you know, say they've been had, that they've been cucked, mm. so to say. So um, <laughs> why would a company come out publicly and <laughs> right, say Right, it's cucked? so humiliating. So usually, <laughs> maybe maybe they'll bear that information in an internal email. Yeah, I'm just thinking. You know, have you ever been actually caught red-handed? Well, uh, I was once tasked with finding out how a company made their. Um, made their printer ink. They were manufacturing really, really beautiful top-of-the-line stuff. And I one time was caught on my hands and knees in one of the guts of one of the printers trying to get... I see, I don't know anything about computers, so I thought I could just go in there and grab it, and then, oops, my hands were all red. I see. So when I asked, have you ever been caught red-handed, you have literally almost gotten caught oh, yes, literally yes. red-handed. Yeah. It, it also strikes me that couldn't that company just have bought some of that ink, like, publicly and... Because you were just trying to see. Here's the thing, Dean, is that those kinds of questions mm. aren't my problem. No, of course. Yeah, not. of course. They didn't task you with finding the recipe for the ink. They just said, "Get us the ink." Yeah, yeah. Again, human intelligence is mm. so important. Yeah, and you look, you looked at, uh, at Cosmo when you said that, and it's a perfect segue. I want to bring him, of course, uh, back in here because there is like a theatrical element to what you do. Mm. I don't know if you've ever been in a in a film. Uh, not that I Casey. know of. No. Uh, not that you know of. Lots of security tape. Sure, probably. I'm sure you have. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you have different wigs on. and Right, of course. And I never I never look and... directly. I always, when I enter a room, I know where a camera is. Like there's one right there. Oh, that's true, yeah. And yeah. there's one right you there. Spot, you spotted I my podcast cameras. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Uh, Cosmo, what do you think of all this? You think uh, it's a different kind of showbiz, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. It's, it really opens up my mind to uh, a whole different approach to that. It's like you're just living your life, but it's being filmed, and that's a movie. Certainly, if you put it that way, yes, Cosmo, I suppose it is. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I suppose, I, I guess we could stitch together uh, at least Casey's professional life into some sort of documentary if we had all that security footage, right? Yeah, not me, though, man. No. I only do fiction. And And... I don't think you had any film directing experience at all until the day you were picked up on the beach. Uh, no, sir. No. Uh, that is correct. I learned on the job, so yeah. to speak. Gotcha. Uh, first film was Charles the Widower. Right, right. That's your lead again, and he becomes a widower, and then he has to date again, but in a, a God-honoring way, right? Yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's correct. Um, it, it, I think they mostly wrote that script because his wife was already sick. Oh, oh, they... That begs the question, what was the timing of the filming like? What, what it was, was quick. We had to get in there. So she played his real wife who, who passed away in the film. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, and then he was really sad, so I didn't have to uh, do a lot of acting exercises with him. He was devastated. I bet. Did you find it especially rewarding to, to work under such pressure and eventually succeed? Oh, yes, I did. Yes. <laughs> you know, you're, what, what you're talking about, Cosmo, reminds me of one of my, the early jobs in my career. Um, I was in the Enron offices the day that that all went down. The you Enron know? offices? Yeah, I, was act I had been hired. This, we don't really do this kind of work anymore. We were really getting our feet out under us back in the early aughts. So I was tailing a woman who worked at Enron. It was an exciting, dynamic pla place to be. Wow. It was really exciting to be you know as they might say on broadway in the room where it happened you know sure, and sure. it was 
quite exciting, you know, to uh, to work under that pressure. Sure, your situation a bit different because a, a woman was she did pass, of course, and right. for that I'm very sorry. Hey, but we're right. all on our own journey. That's pressure that's for so you, pressure true. for me. Is, yeah. uh, it feels different. It's a different situation. Did you know that your acronym spells the word ass? What? A-S-S. I just put it together in my head. It spells the word ass. See, well, but when it's written down in capital letters, you, you understand that it's an acronym. Oh, absolutely. Know, we're professionals. Oh, yes, of course. Oh. And acronyms are very important to the work that I do because I want, let's say, for example, someone like Dean, who knows, knows nothing, right, is, a completely, is completely oblivious to the work that we do. If he was for looking sure. over my shoulder, I would not want him to understand mm. a single word. I would want him to think that he was having a stroke and had forgotten how to read if he was looking at my document, right? right. So with the implementation of acronyms um, really aids in that, in that important yeah, work. Yeah, obfuscation in, of the message. Of course, yeah, Dean, It's almost absolutely. like a code or something. Yes. Weaponized mystery, man. Sure. Yes, I, you know, I like that phrase. That's quite fun. Maybe I'll name my next fish weaponized mystery. Speaking thank of you, fish, Cosmo. yeah, thank you for, uh, <laughs> you're, you're just segueing perfectly into these things thank here. Thank you. Um, Casey, you, you, you have a collection of goldfish. I do. And the having the goldfish and taking care of them, it's, it brings me, again, a lot of joy, but it's also a, a bit sad because they're really the only pets that I can have. Oh, I yeah. landed on goldfish because, I don't know if you've heard this, they are don't remember a thing yeah, you know that's what, i yeah. can if i have a troubling day at work i can go out in, into my backyard mm. and i can speak to the fish and you know hear their advice and I they see. will immediately forget that we ever spoke so right. it's really as it's out of loyalty to my employer that i have those fish right. that's you know? why you don't have an elephant as a pet right? oh so they never forget that's right. a, that, what a good point dean yes and i don't i don't quite have um the space no um, but you said outdoors so you must have you have goldfish have some, outdoors yes i do i have uh, i have a pond in the backyard and it, it's very peaceful out there um however the recently um, in my in my neighborhood, we've seen lots more um, birds of prey. You know, um, this problem I've been able to meet head on with a really a, a response kind of inspired by the work that we do. You know, you hear a lot of buzzwords about like diversity, equity, and inclusion. You sure, know, sure. and this problem that I have with the birds of prey and my fish has allowed me to really embrace the DEI work. I believe that's the lingo again. Acronyms very important. Um, it's important that I only have black fish. Oh, okay. yes, that's so important to me because um, the birds don't see them in the pond, I so see. they don't get eaten. So it's, it's more of a practical reason, not yes, a racial Yes, but it's also an opportunity reason. for those fish who otherwise might not, you know. Sure, I'm sure get, it's really hard for black owned. fish to get, to get gigs well, in ponds. Well, you know, that's not my lived experience, <laughs> Dean, so I don't know. Sure, yeah, yeah, I get it. Well, I mean, you, you got a friend in, uh, in Cosmo here who also speaks to birds. So maybe if Cosmo could speak to oh, birds lovely. and ask them to leave your orange fish alone, oh, that please. might be helpful. I can do it, uh, <laughs> but it'll be one at a time, man. <laughs> Anything you can do would one be so appreciated. It's very hard to get a bunch of birds uh, all together, especially if they are different species. They're well, I guess. I mean, famously, birds flock together as in groups. Not birds of prey, man. <laughs> okay, point taken. <laughs> point taken. I'm also, I mean, it does seem like uh, Cosmo has a bit of a fluid situation, no pun intended, going on. And maybe, you know, it, since he has no walls in his house right now, there maybe he could just sort of like be around your pond and like stand guard. Maybe that like a, a human scarecrow, maybe. Uh, you see, I don't, uh, that's a very innovative and creative idea, Dean, but... 
I don't want to speak too much about the work of any of my clients. If I were, if Cosmo were to agree to such an arrangement, he would have to, he would have to wear a device that one of our one of our clients is working on right now that would wipe his memory every three seconds. You I know? might I have to be a goldfish, man. I would have Precisely. to have right. the memory of a goldfish. You know why it's nice talking to goldfish about your problems? Why is that? They forget everything right away. Exactly. <laughs> so, I don't know if you remember this. A few seconds ago, Casey said that exact thing. I do not. And that's the show for this week, everybody. Cosmo Lindbergh was played by Tobin Mollett. Tobin is a Vermont-based improviser and teacher who performs regularly on Mothra, the Thursday show at Vermont Comedy Club. Casey Mumford was played by Maddie Cross, a hilarious stand-up comedian also based in the Burlington, Vermont area. I'm Nathan Hartswick playing Dean Ardenfell. You can follow this podcast at The Corporation Pod on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and visit the website at thecorporationpod.com. Please subscribe, review, tell your friends about this show. And hey, if you're in the Burlington area, I hope you'll check out a show at Vermont Comedy Club and say hi. See you next week.